Hey everyone, I'm your host, Wesley Tran, and welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie, a podcast where we'll be discussing how traveling has impacted a person's personal growth and purpose, and we'll be diving deeper to understanding the world's different human beings. Welcome to Recovering Travel Junkie. I'm Wesley, and today we have another special friend of mine. He is a homeless ministry leader for Point Loma Nazarene University. He's a D&D dungeon master, and he subsists purely off of LaCroix. He is my friend, Samuel Chung. Welcome. Hey, what's up? Hey, Sam. So I like to ask this question to all of my guests. Do you remember how we first met? Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this. Um, I think my first impression of you was when you and Eddie were at karaoke and you did uh, Man's Not Hot, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it was just a very, I think it captured a lot of your personality in a very short amount of time. (laughs) And then um, after that, I went to an interest meeting for homeless ministries and then you were there and it's like, how was he doing Man's Not Hot (laughs) also going to be at a homeless ministries meeting as a leader so yeah that was those were my two first impressions of you (laughs) that's awesome that's so funny and sam so i love talking about people's passions and purpose can you tell us more about your passion for writing and your passion for people and where that came from yeah um Saying I have a passion for writing is scary and I don't like it um, mm. because writing is scary and I um, don't like it sometimes. And I think recently, though, I've become more comfortable with saying it as I've actually started trying to do that. Um, it's something I've wanted to do since I was a kid um, with reading a lot of books and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm excited for this summer because I think I'm actually going to be able to start writing. Um, and explore that passion in a very practical way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've loved words in all forms for a long time. And then tying in people, um, I kind of just came to love all of the different expressions of God's image, you know, and the different worlds each person kind of has or different way they see the world. So yeah, I'd say those two passions are really important to me that's awesome and what's one thing that scares you the most about writing like what are you fearful of about it i think it's just a the classic like oh if i try and then it's bad then what am i you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. what does this mean you know i'll be uh my self-image will be changed in some way or what if i try and i fail and it's just fear, fear of failure in general i think um Mm-hmm. but yeah overcoming that and being kind of uh gifted with people around me that encourage mm-hmm. me with that mm-hmm. has been really life-giving so i know recently on instagram you wrote <laughs> poems for people yeah how did that feel was it very judgmental for you or was it very freeing for you yeah that was actually like a very um mm, important moment i think for me 
um, because I think it was like a culmination of a lot of things of being more comfortable with myself and being more comfortable with not being afraid of um, like, oh, you just want a lot of attention or, oh, you're going to become prideful from this, um, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And kind of just enjoying something that I like to do. Um, I had a conversation with one of my mentors recently about this and it was just a really great sense of gratitude about being able to do that and have it be something that was genuine to me, I guess. Mm. I'm glad that through this exercise that you felt a sense of genuineness and not a sense of judgment from Mm. it. Yeah. I definitely would have if I'd done it earlier in my life, (laughs) but I think I'm at a point where it felt genuine and like I was, that was just something I really enjoyed. Mm. So let's talk about your hometown of Yuma. Can you tell us where it is and all about it and how it was growing up in there? Yeah, Yuma, Arizona. Um, I'd like to say it's in the armpit of Arizona. It's in the bottom left corner on the border of California and Mexico. One of my friends um, could see the border to Mexico from his roof. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is very close. And then there's like gas stations literally on the border of California. And we'd like drive to um, one of the reservations that was technically in California frequently for like sports games and stuff. Mm. But yeah, it's like a town of about 100,000 people, which sounds like a lot. Um, and I, but I never realized that till like high school because it feels like there's like 10 people. Um, <laughs> especially when you go to private school all your life and you've seen the same faces for like 18 years. Um, but wow. yeah, it's, it's a fun, a lot of people like complaining about Yuma. Um, <laughs> like what's one thing they complain about there? It's incredibly hot. Um, it gets to like 120 in the summer and just very dry heat and you don't really go outside in the summer. <laughs> well, people do, but I never did. <laughs> And there's just like not much to do unless you like off-roading and like fishing and outdoorsy stuff, which I wasn't really ever one to do that. Mm. But I, I'd say I really like Yuma. It's, mm. it's like I don't need much, I guess, to do. Like I don't necessarily need a big mall or a bunch of fun restaurants and stuff i kind of am fine staying inside and reading and watching movies or whatever Mm. um but it it did get claustrophobic at times and i wish there was more of a culture of like doing interesting things and being interesting people (laughs) Mm. Um, whenever you're traveling and in san diego what's one thing you're proud of of being from yuma uh, we're the winter, either winter lettuce or winter vegetable capital of the world because oh. our climate is so moderate and the ground is so flat that we can, uh, grow a lot even in winter. Huh. Is that something you actually brag to people about Yuma? <laughs> There's not much else to say. Well, I mean, you can have <laughs> like, you can have like a weird sense of pride about how hot it gets. 
Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Like it's hot. We got a lot of lettuce. <laughs> I didn't know you guys had a lot of lettuce. <laughs> yeah. There was an E. coli breakout recent or semi recently from Yuma and we made the news. For <laughs> yeah. Which is a bummer, but yeah, a lot of produce. Wow. So now I kind of want to transition into like one of your next stops of Yosemite and also along Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. These two places being vastly different than Yuma. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about your experience there, how you spent your time there, and what about you changed visiting these national parks? So Yosemite was the first one I went to, and I went with my dad in like eighth grade or something. And my memory of time is pretty <laughs> bad right, sometimes. Uh, but yeah, we just did the normal camping thing, went on some hikes, I think. Uh, I have a distinct memory, though, of um, like one of the best parts being just a shower because we hadn't showered like all week. And then we like <laughs> drove into like the more civilized part of the camp or place mm-hmm. um, for something. And yeah, I, I was like, I don't really want to take a shower. And my dad's like, okay, I'm going to take one. And then so he came out after showering. He's like, Sam, you got to take a shower. It feels amazing. And I was kind of reluctant, but then I did. And it was amazing. <laughs> uh, and I also distinctly remember reading um, this book. Oh, shoot. It's called The 13th Reality, I think. And I was like really into it <laughs> then. Mm. Um, well, I just read a lot when I was a kid. But yeah, so that was fun. I liked seeing nature. It was cool. <laughs> and then Yellowstone was the summer after my senior year of high school. So pretty big jump in time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I also went with my dad and we drove up there, which was like <laughs> two day, three day road trip. And yeah, it was beautiful. Um, at night, you could see the glow of the Milky Way. And wow. our campsite was next to a lake. And it was nice to just see the water. Um, it was really cold at night. My dad had looked up weather and it was like, he was like, oh, yeah, it'll be kind of cold. But we were not prepared. It was really cold at night. But I think the last night we slept in the car or I slept in the car. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was not comfortable. Um, But one of the best memories from that trip was we went on like a 12-mile hike. um, But then we kind of got lost. um, And it was like really sketched towards the end. But then we got, we made it. Um, But yeah, on the way, it it was just crazy seeing where your two feet could take you, given enough time, like climbing all the way up a mountain and being mm-hmm. like hundreds of feet in the air, thousand. I don't know how that works. Probably hundreds of feet. But um, yeah, just seeing a beautiful expanse from the top of the mountain you just climbed was a good feeling. And mm-hmm. I, I sang uh, hundred bottles of beer on the wall <laughs> for like <laughs> ten minutes. And my dad was so mad at me. <laughs> yeah. That was a good time. Wow. That's awesome. And how did you feel from going into a small town of Yuma and seeing these huge expanses of national parks, especially comparing the times when you were eight and probably 18 
Yeah. Um, I think it was a little older than eight. It was like eighth eighth grade. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, I think in general, travel just kind of widens your perspectives and lets you understand a little better your place in the world and how small mm-hmm. that is, which I think is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if I had much of a experience of like of that when going to Yellowstone or Yosemite, but I did have a, it didn't make me realize like the vastness of the United States and also that there's mm-hmm. a lot of beautiful places here. Um, mm-hmm. Cause Yuma isn't necessarily a pretty place. Um, it's very, mm-hmm. the, the desert, like the sand dunes, sorry, are like right outside town and it's a desert and there's not much vegetation. Um, mm-hmm. so like there's not like forests <laughs> or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it made me appreciate like forests and trees and crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's one thing you would recommend a visitor when they're traveling through Yosemite and Yellowstone, respectively? Don't get lost. Um, <laughs> uh, take showers. Uh, stay up late. Look for shooting stars. Mm. Yeah. I saw like more shooting stars that trip than I had my whole life prior or since. Oh, wow. I'm assuming you visited there in the summer, right? Because I imagine mm-hmm. winter might be a hard time finding shooting stars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a lot of snow in winter. Oh, true. Yeah. As a Californian, that didn't just click in my head at all. <laughs> yeah. And what about that trip did you find most impactful for you? Um, I think both times it was just nice quality time with my dad. I don't always get that. So just getting to get to know him a bit better and uh, deepening that bond. Mm-hmm. And so I know you have two other siblings. Do mm-hmm. your parents take you on special trips just to bond with each individual child? I want to say no, but also kind of. Um, so when we graduate high school or college, we get like a graduation trip, mm. uh, which is just really a blessing and i understand not everyone gets to do that but it's been nice to be on that on the receiving end of that so Mm -hmm. and is that the entire family or just the parents and that one child that graduated normally it's my mom and the child i think that's a good transition to london and paris was that during your that was my graduation trip for mm. high school. Um, I went with my mom and then some like family friends type relationship. Mm. And yeah, it was it was both a good and a bad time. I was in a bad place personally, but it was a good thing over like good it was fun still, you know, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I got to see and do a lot of cool things. And what things did you see and what things did you do during your time there? Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think now. The The main thing that comes to mind is just like hanging out in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and 
I went clubbing the last night, which was weird. <laughs> As Wes knows me, that's not a very Sam-like thing to do. It's very out of character. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was so sweaty. <laughs> oh, I got to go. Oh, okay. It's coming back. It's coming back. Um, I got to go. There's this um, thing called the Royal Society, and it's um, famous British scientists. Well, not even famous. Just British scientists. Um, from across the gen, like generations in history, um, mm-hmm. but they, they're like a, a current organization, but they also have a very long history. And mm-hmm. there's a uh, public thing, a thing open to the public, and you can go and request to see like stuff from their archives, which is like they just let you touch stuff. And so I got to hold like a book that was like 200 years old, and um, these things called cyanotypes, which are like um, blue imprints or sun pictures. It's a bad description, but they're really pretty. Look them up. Um, mm. And it was cool because I I had known about it from watching a YouTube channel um, called Objectivity that like talk uh, that does interviews with the head li- librarian there. Um, so that was a really fun experience. And then got to go to some museums. Got to which museums did you see? <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I want to call it the British Museum, but I don't know if that's that's right. There's a British museum. <laughs> yeah, I went to that. Uh, Did it have like Egyptian stuff? Maybe. I'm no. It was it was the British Gallery. I think it was just uh, artwork. There's uh, the National Gallery. Oh, I think it's that. Gallery. I think it was the National Gallery. Okay. Yeah. I should have tried to remember harder. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah. That was that was really cool. Um, got to go to the British Library. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure it's the British Library, but it was like very close to where we were staying, mm. and um, we got to see one of the drafts of the Magna Carta, and they had wow. some of the writings of the Bronte sisters. They had a bunch of really cool things that I'm also blanking on, but it was great to see. So what's one thing you would recommend someone to do, you know, while they're in London as a visitor? I think one of the most fun and like unique experiences is, is going to the Royal Society's library. Um, because the people it's like small. Not, I don't think many people know about it because there was like one other person who was there when we were there. Yeah, I didn't know about it. And I lived four months in London. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, you can just ask, like, we weren't, we were there, we were trying to see um, some of, like, the moon mission uh, photos. And mm-hmm. they didn't have them because they were out on a gallery. And so, like, the, the librarian who was there at the time was, like, felt really bad. And so she went in the back and she brought out these, like, signed, um, like, poster type things. Um, from a bunch of different space missions and like we, she just like handed them to us and you get to hold them yeah it was it was just a it's a really cool experience they are really passionate about what they do and you can see really cool science related things that's awesome and during your the during the graduation trip you also spent one day in paris can you tell us how that was it was a bit of an ordeal um because it was rather warm and 
the like main thing that the parents wanted to do was see the Eiffel Tower, which I was kind of apathetic towards because I was like, we're only here for a day. That's like what everyone does. And then I was even more of an angsty teenager when we got there because there was a huge line um, and it was still hot and sweaty. But while we were in waiting in line, uh, the day just continued to get worse as I got pooped on by a bird. Um, Oh, it's like just in the middle of Paris with bird poop on me and (laughs) waiting in the hot sun. And so right after I got pooped on, my friend found like 20 euros at my feet. So it was like this, I I didn't know how to feel. (laughs) Um, And it was just, yeah, an odd experience. But I think the the thing I really liked while I was in Paris was there was this tiny bookstore that was across from the restaurant we had made reservations at. Mm -hmm. And I got these, um, they're like, sort of like cardstock photographs of like every sculpture in the Louvre. And I'm sure it's not every sculpture, but like the main ones. And they were in French, of course. And so that was a really nice souvenir um, because we didn't get to go to the, is it Louvre or Louvre? I'm always insecure. (laughs) I'll just say Louvre. Um, Yeah. yeah, But we didn't get to go because it was closed the one day we were there. Um, But we did get to go to the Uh Musée d'Orsay. Yeah. It was a bummer, but going to the other museum um, was still fun. We <laughs> we decided to fall like lean into being in France for a day, and so we bought like touristy berets. <laughs> uh, yeah, we went to the museum and got to see some. I think there was a there was a Van Gogh and there was a Monet, and they were really pretty. And it was I believe Starry Night is in that museum. No, it wasn't Starry Night. I think it was one of his. At least when I was there in 2016. Oh, okay, yeah, different times, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a great experience. Yeah. So, what's one thing you would recommend someone to do in one day in Paris? Is it to see the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> Don't go to the Eiffel Tower. You can see it from afar. It's like kind of neat to go there. I think we didn't go on top of it because it would have been like literally all we did that day if we waited in line. Um, mm. I guess if it's really important to you, do it. And if you like it, that's fine. But <laughs> it wasn't my speed, I guess. Um, but definitely go to the museums. Definitely eat somewhere that has good food. And if you can, wander into a small bookstore that happens to have really cool things. Mm. Do you remember what type of French food you ate during that one day? Yeah, I had this. Oh no, I guess I don't because it's <laughs> just generally meat. It was a meat dish, <laughs> really good. Um, I I had looked up like really good restaurants in France or Paris, and that mm-hmm. was it was one of them that wasn't wasn't like five hundred dollars, you know. Yeah, it was it was really good. Because mm. I remember this one restaurant I went to when I was there. I just had to eat everything I thought was French. And so that included escargot. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely just an excuse to eat something lathered in butter and garlic. Which is all I need. That was, yeah. I had escargot in London, actually. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm Vietnamese, 
the Vietnamese people actually cook snails too. But in my opinion, they prepare it so much better just because it has more spices and it's served without the shell. At least in France, when I had it, they served, they were like tiny garden snails and they served it with the shell and gave you like a little stick to take it out, which was different. And I remember eating duck. It was like duck confit, which yeah, that turned good. out to be the best tasting duck I've ever had in my life. Dang. I've Dang. only had it from that one instance. And uh, I always regard it as the best duck I've had. Yeah, I've wanted to try that dish. Or I want to try more French cuisine, but there's not many options for that. Mm. Yeah. And now I kind of want to transition into something that had a lot of impact to you. And I remember you talking about a lot, which was the spring break build. Yeah. Can you tell us what that is, when you went, and how to go? Yeah. The spring break build is, as the name implies, on or during spring break, um, my school, Point Loma, uh, Nazarene University, uh, does it every year. And basically, um, a team of faculty and students goes to um, a church that they're invited to and they build a church or they complete a, a church that has been started or they build something else. Um, but yeah, so I went my freshman year. So yeah, second semester freshman year. I'm only a sophomore. Uh, and <laughs> the team was really fun. Like it was a bunch of people that I didn't really know. I knew some people, um, but for the most part, I didn't really know anyone that well. Um, and it was just a really good time. And everyone there was really enthusiastic and had a good attitude. And it was, I, I like manual labor because I don't have to do it for like a job or a lot. Um, so it, it was really fun to just like do a very physical, tangible thing to help people and serve God. Um, one of my favorite parts was mixing concrete. <laughs> that was just felt you could like put a lot of aggression into it. <laughs> so it was pretty cathartic. Um, Would you recommend this activity to any point homeless students listening? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's just a really good experience and I don't think there's many better ways to spend spring break. Mm. Sweet. And now I want to go to an awesome place you visited, which was Japan. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about this, where you went and why you went and how your experience was there? Yeah, so I went for a mission trip with um, the church I previously attended. And we were in Fujisawa, I want to say. <laughs> Again, my memory uh, is fails me at certain details, but um, it was a interesting trip in the sense of like a trip, but it was also interesting in the sense of a mission trip um, because like you can't really openly evangelize there. Um, there's not mm. a very welcoming presence to Christianity in Japan. Um, so it, the main thing was like advertisement for an English school that the main missionary is 
starting in Japan. Um, he's from Japan and then um, came to the United States, found God and all that, uh, and wants to go back and start a church, but also just have an English school. So it's like a easy way for people to enter into the faith that they want to. Um, but yeah, that was also like a very good experience for me because normally I'm in my head about things and I was, wasn't at all. And I kind of just like went and did the next thing that I needed to do and then did the next thing that I needed to do. Um, mm. so the way we like drummed up interest for the English school was <laughs> we, there was different teams to do things that would attract attention. So there was a dance team, a drum team, a <laughs> rap team, a oh, song dang. team. And I ended up being on the dance team and then a little bit on the rap team, which was, um, <laughs> <laughs> but also terrible. Um, yeah, I'd never really done an organized dance before. Um, mm. But that yeah, was how was really that? Fun. Was it like street dancing or on a stage where people? Um, it was like, yeah, we were just like in this uh, like pathway that was. Um, outside of a train station and on the way to a mall. So it was really busy uh, mm. for the most part. And then, yeah, just like just outside of train stations. Um, but yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was an interesting way to experience Japan, I think. And I had a lot of fun and got to spend a lot of good time with a lot of good people. Yeah. Was it just you dancing or who else no, was on the dance team? Yeah. It was a team of three. It was me and two uh, ladies. One of them, or two of them, who had been like dancers, and then <laughs> just me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a, a good team, and mm. it was fun. Were there any insightful interactions you had dancing in Japan? Uh, it was just like <laughs> weird. <laughs> you you would just get hit with like I'm doing a hip hop dance in the middle of Japan for Jesus. <laughs> just, like, uh, just a weird thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I think it was just interesting seeing the culture and seeing the different, seeing a different um, part of the world just kind of, again, brought into your understanding of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And did you experience culture shock there? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say shock, but definitely things are like, oh, that's interesting. Or, you know, like the way, um, honor is important, the way respect is important, certain customs, certain ways you conduct yourself. But I, I don't say, I wouldn't say I was shocked. Mm. Can you describe like certain interactions where their honor culture became distinct to you? Like, oh, but that's different that's not how we do it back home but that's how it is here one of them that i was like constantly like nervous about but also um it was later explained they don't really care because they understand that we're americans was being mm -hmm. loud on the um the train systems mm -hmm. uh, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be quiet um just out of respect for everyone and so mm -hmm. they are very quiet but <laughs> we would just come in as a crowd of like 15 people and talk a bunch mm. and uh i would get like kind of nervous but also i'd want to talk sometimes so yeah it was something like that kind of i think mm. encapsulate yeah. 
Can you tell us more about Fujisawa and where it is? Uh, it's like <laughs> southwest of Tokyo, I think. About okay. probably an hour or two. Did you have to fly into Tokyo and take yeah. a bus or something there? Yeah, we took a a train. Um, okay. Yeah, it was a. I think uh, it's a coastal city, I believe. Um, mm. I don't know if this is a rule for all Japanese cities, but it was very like developed. Like there were, like nature was confined to parks and stuff. Mm. Um, I think this is a rule for most of Japan. It was very clean. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> What's one advice you would give to an American visiting Japan for the first time? If there's a store that sells cream puffs, get them. <laughs> there was um, a 7-Eleven department store right next to our hotel and it had like four stories and like they're like clothes and food um but in like the main area when you first walk in there was a cream puff store and i ate so many cream puffs <laughs> was there something distinctly unique about japanese cream puffs that US <laughs> i don't know they they may be available other places but i had never had them there or have never had them like that. They were like the size of a baseball <laughs> and <laughs> really good. Yeah. And now I kind of want to transition to the most recent place you visited, which was Scotland. And mm -hmm. you went with your brother. Yes. How was that experience? Yeah. So it was my brother's graduation trip from college and I kind of planned it. Um, because he, he's not really into planning things. And so I planned it and we got to go and we stayed in a one bed Airbnb. So it was very intimate, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he's not the most adventurous, which sounds kind of bad, but like, I don't think he would argue with that. Um, so we would kind of do like one thing and then just go back to the room and hang out. <laughs> so um, we'd go to like a gallery. Um, we went to Kelvin Grove or we'd go um, see something in the city. <laughs> I'm trying to think again of the things we did. And the city you went to was Glasgow? Oh yeah, sorry, it was in Glasgow. Um, I had a friend that you know, Lauren. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's, she's really big on Glasgow for lots of reasons but um i also had just wanted to go to scotland um and my, my brother so he doesn't like making plans um but he does have opinions and so i'd bring up a place and be like ah, or show like medium interest and mm -hmm. so glasgow was only, one of the only places where he was like yeah sure <laughs> the most guiding Um, input he had said that um but yeah it was a it was a really good time i read a lot and i got to spend a lot of time in the books bookstores there because my brother's sleep schedule was like messed up so he'd wake up at like one or 12 or whatever 
and I'd be awake for like since like seven or eight. So I'd oh, go wow. and like walk to a bookstore and hang out there or read mm-hmm. in a coffee shop. So what interested your brother in Glasgow in particular? Do you happen to know? I don't know. Okay. He's a interesting man. Yeah. Cause out of all the cities, I thought it was interesting because Edinburgh seems to be the most popular, which is where I visited in Scotland. Yeah, Edinburgh sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so Glasgow and Edinburgh have a um, rivalry, and now I'm firmly on the Glasgow that, side. I did not know. Yeah. Do you happen to know where it stemmed from? Or just historically? Oh, I don't know where it stems from, but all I know is that Glasgow is the best city. <laughs> And what's your most it's memorable experience there in Glasgow? Um, I got kissed on the head by a stranger. <laughs> he was drunk huh. and walking by and just grabbed my head and kissed me. I, I had blue hair at the time, which I think contributed to oh. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a lot of just nice little things. Um, yeah. Just like hanging out with my brother, walking through cities the city um i got to see one of the cathedrals and there was a necropolis that was really pretty Mm. um i think honestly this is i don't know if it's cheesy but the one of the highlights was uh i just like looked up a random church to go on sunday because we were there for like a week and a half i think and um we went and everyone was super nice and it was just very homey feeling and it was in this old um, I think also cathedral. No, no, it wasn't big enough to be a cathedral, but just a very old building with like a high roof and stained glass windows. Um, and when you sang, it felt like a whole choir <laughs> um, <laughs> just because of the way the acoustics were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that was a very nice experience. It felt like I was um, at a home church, even though I was in a different country. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, this guy like, gave us a tour of the building and gave us the history of it. Um, just like after the service, just because he was being kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was one of the highlights for sure. Oh, that's so awesome. And what would you recommend someone to do in Glasgow to get the at least a Glasgow experience? I think part of the Glasgow experience is like, like not, being too much in a rush. <laughs> um, like my brother and I, again, spent a lot of time in the room in the Airbnb and it was still a very enjoyable trip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll drink Iron Brew. It's a soda that's like local to there and it's really good and really cheap. And then <laughs> also, um, <laughs> there was this like, there's like these, shops that special like instead of specializing in something they just have everything or they're like uh food places so this one place had like indian food um like pizza and burgers and then like fish and chips and all that and like (laughs) their menu was like eight pages on the wall and you could just get whatever sort of fried food you wanted so i got a fried pizza (laughs) and i got (laughs) <laughs> a fried hot dog, I think, or sausage or something. <laughs> and it's just like the greasiest, like least healthy food, but it was so good. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. 
were there any cultural differences you found that stood out to you? Um, probably. I can't think of any right now. Yeah, because oh. Scotland is very similar to the U.S. Uh, one, yeah, one of the things I remember is when you're like all set for something, they'll say that that's you. Like if mm. uh, you uh, buy something and you're like waiting for a receipt to like get the receipt and then they'll say that's you like mm. you're you're finished or whatever um mm. and then their accents are just really fun so sam how has traveling impacted your passion of writing and people um i think the main thing is just expanding um my understanding of the human experience which i mentioned a bit earlier and um it just like gives you an idea that what you know isn't all there is um and the types of people you know aren't all there are um also just like the connections human can have even across cultural differences and language differences is still incredibly impactful and meaningful um so I think, yeah, with writing, it gives me um, just more perspective and the idea that words aren't the most important thing. Um, and then with just loving people, getting to see different expressions of the image of God again. Okay. So I like to ask this as one of my ending questions. What's one experience you would recommend someone to do in their lifetime to live a regret-free life? <laughs> if this was sunday school i would say give your life to jesus but i also genuinely believe that but also to be a little more interesting um i think acting with integrity um being honest in in more of a sense than just saying the thing that is true but also like being honest with yourself like i want to do this thing and genuinely trying to do that thing mm. probably lead to life without regret Mm. Awesome. And Sam, do you have anything you want to promote? <laughs> sure. Um, give money to my church, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds <What's> terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're a small church, but um, I think what we're doing is very meaningful and um, close to or aligned with the message of the bible and what jesus taught mm. what's the name of your church and where can oh, yeah. we go to donate it and what things do you do that align with the bible <laughs> that's a good question because those are all important things uh living water church of the nazarene we're a small church in east village um, that wants to be a and is trying to be a community church um, for anyone in that area. Um, but the main thing we're doing right now, because we're not allowed to meet because of the pandemic, is food distributions and deliveries. So a few times a week, we're delivering to people's houses like boxes of food that we get with, from the food bank through a partnership with Voices of Our City Choir. Um, those who are sick um, or seniors who are on low incomes, no incomes, just anyone who needs food. Um, 
And then on Mondays and Fridays, we're doing distributions to those on the street, um, trying to have ready to eat meals. And right now it's a pretty like uh, essential thing, I guess, because a lot of food sources dried up with the pandemic. Um, people would, they're called drive-bys, but people would just drive in with a car and hand out food, stuff like that. Um, all of that stopped. So food's been really hard to come by um, for unsheltered folk. And yeah, they're just in a very desperate situation. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on my show. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad I got to hear all the stories and of you spending time with your parents and siblings too. It was amazing listening to Sam about his trips and how it helped his family bond together. I personally wish that my family could have done that. And I probably just traveled alone in my life. I plan on doing something similar with my future kids. So be sure to follow Recovering Travel Junkie on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And I'll catch you next time on wherever you get your podcasts. See you.